Everyone knows a lot of things can change in the span of 10 years. When it comes to professional wrestling podcasting, one thing is still guaranteed. The Shining Wizards is the only place to get all the latest wrestling news, interviews with the greatest guests, and of course, tons of laughs in discussing the world of wrestling. The show is still available on Monday nights at 7 p.m. East on RantDMRadio.com and Rant Entertainment Media on the TuneIn app. And it's still available on all podcasting platforms. To check us out, head over to ShiningWizards.com, where it's still wrestling talk and talk about wrestling. Are you tired of prediction shows? Do you want to fantasy book the companies? Does Bigfoot even really exist? If you answered yes to any of those questions, then check out the podcast that isn't a podcast. Every Tuesday and Thursday, the standing streamer stands and delivers as he and Vanessa talk about all that's going on in pro wrestling today. Plus, see in-depth conversations with people in and around the wrestling world as guests share their stories and insights about making it in the business. The Putting You Over Podcast. Putting your weeknights over every Tuesday and Thursday. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening and good night. My name is Thomas and what's your name? Uh, I'm Alan. Alan. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. We're brothers. That's right. Yeah. yeah the that. mother, same mother and father. Your room was... Oh, we shared a room. Shared a room. For we right? shared a room. I thought I knew your face. Yeah, we so go maybe. way back, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We should do a podcast then. Uh, we have. We do do a podcast. We do a podcast. What's it called? The Broadcast. Yeah, that was planned. Yeah, yeah. Well, what do we do? Well, we cover all different things in the world of pop culture. We're talking about comic books. We're talking professional wrestling, and we're talking about movies. Go back and watch classic retro wrestling events, the likes of WWE, WCW, and if you do like that, you can check us out on Apple iTunes, also on Podbean, Anchor, and on Podknife. Also, check us out on Twitter at the Broadcast. That's B R O. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Ending. Yeah, it's alright, good on you. Yeah. Instagram also at the Broadcast Podcast. Remember, we don't spell it with a C, we spell it with a K. Slow, mate. Take it easy. Two Heels and a Face Wrestling Podcast believes wrestling is a buffet. There's something there for everyone. These guys cover local Chicago indie scene, and all of their episodes can be found at twoheelsandaface.com. The number two, heelsandaface.com. Hey everyone, my name is referee Tony S, and this is Heat, the wrestling podcast. Like you first and foremost, I'm a wrestling fan, and for nearly two decades I've maintained law and order inside the squared circle in New England and throughout the country, working with some of the best and brightest from wrestling's past, present, and future. Now, I bring my authoritative tell-it-like-it-is style to the podcast world. Join me each week as we go through all the major headlines from the global companies, independents, and in-between. And most importantly, the women will receive the coverage and headlines they truly deserve as they'll empower the second half of the show. Plus, I'll introduce you to my friends and colleagues within all forms of wrestling and entertainment, answer your questions, anything goes, no holds, well, questions barred, and throw in some fun surprises along the way. Get ready for the spark that fuels the flame. Listen on Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another episode of the Front Row Material brand. My name is Mike Freeland, soon to be joined by the man I affectionately refer to as the Bud. A lot of things coming up on this episode. Bret Hart was going to be with AEW, but then it didn't happen. 
We're going to talk about Billy Gunn. Is he really going to retire after what happened this past week on television? We're also going to be talking about Roosh. Looks like he is going to be signing, but where? We'll also be talking about AEW and WWE TV ratings as well. All of that and a big news story coming out of Impact Wrestling. All that and a little bit more about blood and guts. Right now, let's go ahead and let's bring him on in. He's a man from Canada, brother from another mother. He is the butt. What's going on, man? This is it, Mike. Another night hanging out with you. Uh, no doubt going to talk some nonsense. Might even talk a little bit of wrestling. You never know. We, we might. We might talk a little wrestling. So a lot of things have been happening in wrestling. And I think the interesting part about this is we're kind of in a weird situation right now. The summer is winding down. Now, traditionally, the end of summer normally is the big event called SummerSlam. And I think they're going to have some good matches, but I will be honest with you, the buildup for SummerSlam has not been what I would have expected so far. It's been very lackluster, and I'm not sure if you caught Monday Night Raw, but it's just, I don't know, I feel like WWE is succeeding, but it's in bits and pieces, if that makes sense. I feel like it's not, the whole machine isn't firing on all cylinders, even though that doesn't reflect in the ratings the ratings would say they're doing great everywhere but did you get a chance to check out monday night raw i did not i read a little bit about it on uh bleacher report and other online pages dirt sheets where you want to call them but I, unfortunately i did not get that i get it in four weeks time that you have that big delay thing don't you vince hates us goodness gracious so, what was that? Was that your phone? It's my phone. Oh, I didn't. I didn't know if you had a sound effect or something, or you were. No, it's my wife texting me from the living room. Oh, I see. Uh, here's the lineup for matches that's going to be going down at SummerSlam. Cody Rhodes will be taking on Brock Lesnar. Seth Rollins will take on Finn Balor. The WWE Women's Championship Asuka takes on Bianca Belair versus Charlotte Flair in a triple threat match. Ronda Rousey ends her feud with Shayna Baszler at SummerSlam as well. Um, there's also some um, matches that are being predicted. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus Judgment Day, which is going to be Damian Priest and Dominic Mysterio for the Tag Team Championships. Looks like Gunther will be taking on Drew McIntyre as well in the big event. Uh, for the Women's World Championship, Rhea Ripley versus uh, Raquel Rodriguez and Austin Theory versus LA Knight, or it could be replaced by Santos Escobar. Uh, Becky Lynch versus Trish Stratus. Jake Paul versus Ricochet. So many matches right now uh, that are either confirmed or speculated that are going to be happening for SummerSlam. But I will say this. On paper, it looks like it's going to be a really good show. Mm-hmm. Now, when you really start looking between the lines here when it comes to SummerSlam... There's only a few matches that I'm really interested in. So I'm going to go through these matches for SummerSlam, and I want you to give me on a scale of 1 to 5 what your interest level is in the match. Is that fair? Let's do it. All right, so Undisputed WWE Universal Championship Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso. Three. Okay, I'm going to give this one I'm going to give this one a 2.5. Um, the Bloodline storyline, and I've, I've listened to a lot of other shows and read a lot of articles, and they think that the Bloodline, the storyline in its entirety is only halfway told, and that ultimately what WWE is going to do is make a new big superstar out of Jey Uso, and then obviously uh, Solo Sokoa, and that that's how the whole thing finishes 
Roman Reigns ends up going away for a while and then comes back being a major babyface. Do you feel like since the Sami Zayn part of it ended, do you think a lot of the momentum in the bloodline, as far as your opinion, has died down? Or do you feel like you still like the dissension within the ranks? It's not what it was when Sammy was there. It's still entertaining. Just as far as I'm concerned, it's just not to the same extent. I, most people were heavily invested with the Sammy because it just it made you feel it. Now, I don't think it's as much. I don't. I don't know. To me, it's just it's getting a little long in the tooth now. It's it's been running for a year. That storyline has now or so roughly. Yeah, it's been going on for a while now, and that's, that's a long time for a storyline these days. Well, I think the last time I saw so many fans invested into storyline that was really long term like this. Um, gosh, it's 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 had been at least a good ten years or so because storylines like this don't normally work in today's fan base because people want that instant payoff right Yo, something happens they, they just want it they want it fast they want to yeah. know what it is right now and that's the problem when you try to do long-term storytelling is that the initial buzz is exciting but when you stop dropping these little nuggets here and there and it doesn't seem to fulfill what the fans want they're not willing to stay through for the end of the story to see what the big payoff is. So therefore, I think a lot of times storylines may start out with the intention of being long-term storylines, but they have to cut them short because it's just dying on the vine. Would you agree? Absolutely. I like the thought of a long-term storyline because we don't get it anymore, but it's just hard to keep everybody hooked now. Like it really is because the, the feeling on a long-term story on these days will die in in three, four weeks. It's red hot at the beginning of the month, and by the end of the month, it could be done. Yeah. You, it's hard to keep everybody hooked these days. You know, having one week to where it's huh, so-so, that's one thing, but you got to keep doing more and keeping it fresh, and that's hard to do. There's only so far you can go. You know, there's only so many different matches you can have. There's only so many different swerves you can throw in there. It's hard. I, I wouldn't want to be trying to, to write a storyline, a long-term storyline, to keep everybody hooked for a year, year and a half, two years. That's a tough go. Anybody can pull that off. They're earning their cash. So with this match in itself, it says all signs are pointing to Reigns versus Uso at SummerSlam. And uh, they believe that Uso could hand Roman Reigns his first pinfall loss in three-plus years uh, like they did at Money in the Bank. Now, Jimmy Uso was injured by Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa on SmackDown, forcing Jay Uso to seek vengeance for his own. And they will meet under the Tribal Combat Rules, which will be happening for the WWE Undisputed championship now i'm not really exactly sure what they say tribal combat rules are another type of gimmick type of match but we'll see what's happening scale one to five you give it a three as far as interest i'm going to go a little bit less than that i'll go two and a half with, with it mike if, if you don't sorry i don't mean to interrupt here um so they're basically going to break up the usos 
I don't or know what is the, this is a short-term answer while so-and-so is injured, supposedly. I, I don't know what the plan would be because, I mean, obviously you're not going to take the belt off of Roman Reigns because from what I'm understanding and hearing, they still want Roman Reigns to carry the championship into this year's WrestleMania, which will be in Philadelphia. And that's when Cody finishes his story. And so, yeah, I don't feel like they're going to do that because why would you switch and put the belt on somebody else? Not to say that one of the Usos isn't strong enough to carry the championship, but it just doesn't have that same feel to it, like a big accomplishment, um, especially with Cody having, having lost at WrestleMania 39 to Roman. Uh, does it mean they're splitting up the Usos? I don't know what this necessarily means. Uh, once again, could it be injury related? Is it storyline related? I'm not exactly sure, but I think it'll be an interesting match. And I think we'll finally see where Solo Sokoa definitely um, has his loyalties. Is he going to stay with Roman or is he going to, because you do know all three of those are, are biological brothers, right? Yes. Yeah. Jimmy J and, and Solo. So. So we will see what's going to be happening on that one. The World Heavyweight Championship, Seth freaking Rollins, is going to be taking on Finn Balor. Now, Rollins has been bested by Balor on every turn as things have escalated between the two of them. Now, the big question on this one is, will WWE pull the trigger and have Finn Balor, who is obviously a part of Vengeance, go ahead and dethrone Seth Rollins? Even though Seth Rollins right now, but may arguably be the most popular he's ever been before. The fans are singing his songs. He's got these creative ideas that he's coming up with for his matches. He's got colorful outfits he wears. He is anywhere and everywhere uh, when it comes to social media, especially when he's been out with Becky Lynch. So what do you think, in your opinion, do you think they, they keep it hot with Seth Rollins, or do you think they continue to build this vengeance and continue to to help them and continue to build that faction? Actually, being Seth, um, uh, Judgment Day, they're soon going to be done, I think. They're going to break that faction up. They're, they're already starting to, to fracture it. We're with Dom gone to NXT now. You know, uh, uh, Rhea doesn't need it. She really doesn't. None of them need to be in a faction. Uh, you, all four of them could go loose, and three will do very well. One, not so much. Um, but I, I, I'm torn on it because Seth doesn't need a win. The fans love him. He is over like Rover right now. He can do no wrong. Regardless of who he has a match with, it's going to be amazing. It'll be a 41 star match in the Tokyo Superdome Arena, whatever place it's called. Don't you shake your head and close your eyes at me. But all his matches are amazing. He is, you couldn't get a better professional wrestler right now than him. I'll no, go that I'm far. With you. I will go, you're. Not gonna like what I'm about to say. I think he's probably the best professional wrestler in the world right now. Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins. He very well could be. I mean, you know, I've heard interviews with uh, Will Ospreay, and you know, the question posed to Will Ospreay was, if the real Forbidden Door were to be opened, and and I think we all know what that means. If if WWE's door ever opened and there was a crossover, mm-hmm. that he would want to take on Seth Rollins. That would be his dream match. 
And a lot of people do think Seth Rollins is really, really good. And, and a lot of people are also saying it's the best he's ever been. It's the best version of him. Now, to say he's the best wrestler in the world today, I think he's up there. Yeah, I think he's definitely up there. Don't but I Don't. mean, when you when you look at Will Ospreay, man, when you when you look at Kenny, it's really hard. It's a hard sell to sometimes say that that Seth Rollins above that. Um, that's a toughie. But you know what? I'll, I'll give I'll give you your just. I mean, you're you're entitled to your opinion. So. And that's the beauty of it. Everybody's got an opinion. Some are good, some are not so good, but it's it's somebody's opinion, so it's, it can't be wrong. Can't be wrong, no. Might not agree, but it can't be wrong. There you go. Right? So, no, and when I say that I think he's best, I'm not taking nothing away from Will Ospreay or Kenny Omega. As much as I love to beat up on you about Kenny Omega, you know it's in gist. I'm just busting your chops. I think Kenny Omega's amazing. I just, Seth is He's everything right now. He is red hot. Are you taking, okay, let me ask you, are you taking into consideration his flamboyancy, his outfits, his attire, the singing? Are you the taking the whole package? The whole, okay. Everything. Not just matches, not just entrance, not one thing. We're talking the whole shooting match. I think he's the guy. Then, if that is the case, then then maybe I would put him up there uh, above the two because when you look at Will Osprey, he doesn't have that big pageantry behind him. I mean, he's he's cocky, yeah. I mean, maybe borderlining on egotistical, but he's really good and he backs it up. Kenny's one of those guys who really doesn't have to do a whole lot because he's already been to the top of the mountain. I mean, he's been there multiple times before. He's done it. I think he's a, he's a humble person. And I think in the world of WWE, there is that distinction between characters. And I think in New Japan Pro Wrestling, you have people. And I think in AEW, you have people. And I think there's your biggest difference right there. WWE is larger than life because they have so much invested into the character part of it as well, which is great. I mean, that's what wrestling is. But I think it just really depends on what your style is. Do you, do you like more of that um, pageantry, the showmanship, all of that kind of stuff, the pyro, the lights, the lasers, the music, or do you just really like it when they ring the bell and the match is, is crazy good? So it just kind of depends. It's it's very it's it's much like some people like in baseball the American League, some people like the National League, in football, some people like the AFC, some people like the NFC. Just depends on what your cup of uh, a tea is. Um, as far as I'm concerned, how interested am I am in that match? I would definitely say on a scale one to five, I'm, I'm a solid four and a half. I think that's going to be a really good match, a really, really good match. And, you know, as much as I think that Seth Rollins should win, I also think that this may be the time if you're ever going to pull it, that you're going to have to get behind Finn Balor. Finn Balor's not getting any younger. He's part of a faction right now. What could make people hate him more than for him to maybe cheat and get a win, get more heat, get more eyeballs on him? Therefore, you could then build up a big rematch with him. I think that would be good. I actually think it would lead to probably like a mixed tag, which would be uh, Rollins and Becky Lynch 
taking on Rhea Ripley and um, Finn Balor. I think that would probably be the next match that the two would have. But I think they could have a series of matches. But um, I think anything's possible. It'll be a great match. Two of them together is going to be a great match. Next, Cody Rhodes and Brock Lesnar. Um, this has gone a couple different ways. I believe this is going to be their third match. I believe the first match Brock won, the second match Cody won, and then this is going to be the rubber match, and this is going to be the last one. I mean, conventional wisdom is going to tell you that Cody's going to win this because obviously they're going to continue Cody's big push as he completes his story. Um, there's also rumors that something's going to be happening at SummerSlam that is going to become Brock's next big feud, which could that be the return of Bray Wyatt? Could that be something that happens? I'm not really sure. Uh, how invested or how interested are you in this whole Cody Rhodes-Brock Lesnar feud? I don't care. It's never drawn me in. I, mean, no, I'm, I, I'm, I love Cody, you know that. And I don't mind Brock. It's just, to me, it started weird. And I just never got on board. Well, it started. It, it, the reason why it started weird, and a lot of people have been asking the question, is how did the feud even start? Well, the feud actually started the night after WrestleMania. And as silly as this sounds, and trust me, guys, WWE does a lot of silly stuff. What they were originally going with, and I don't know if this is still their thing, but they said that Brock was upset that his match went on before Cody's match, and that Brock was a more decorated. A star in WWE than Cody was and that he should have gone on later, but he was going on like earlier in the night. And my thought to that is that's what you came up with. Like you couldn't shoot something that happened backstage. You couldn't shoot something where like Brock walks up and goes, welcome back kid. You know, there, there's nothing you could have done. There's no, you know, conflict or something that you could have done in a pre-tape, but it's just he's upset that Cody went on later than what Brock went on? There's no fan is biting on that. Brock went on first because he was wrestling almost. This is true. What did you think? Should that have been the co-main event of the first night? Brock is a very good wrestler. Amazing. Hall of Famer, guaranteed, oh, sure. UFC champion, multiple-time champion, great box office draw, all that good stuff. You're wrestling almost, man. Like, uh, Let's not kid ourselves. There's, that was a uh, – no, I won't say that. It, not a great match. There was no way that could be a great match. Almost is way too green. And just his style and Brock's just doesn't jive. No, it's two styles. They're very a, different. A big dude like Brock to throw almost around because he's so damn big. Fans weren't invested in it. The match didn't really make sense. Hold on. Would would you compare that to if we were to go back in the Wayback Machine and go with uh, Giant Gonzalez versus Undertaker at WrestleMania? No, because John Gonzalez was over. He was not real good in the ring, but he was getting pushed. Fans were behind her. I won't say behind him. That might not be the right word. But fans were were invested. Almost is not getting over. Or I don't think he is. Huh? Maybe I'm wrong. He's 
He's irrelevant. That sounds really cold. But he kind of is. Nobody cares. If you didn't see almost for the next three months on WWE, would you be upset? No. I probably wouldn't even notice, to tell you the truth. And that's the thing. So, no, no, I definitely wouldn't put them in the same character. Because when Undertaker and Giant Gonzalez were having their match, Undertaker was still a main star on the roster. Mm-hmm. Brock isn't so much anymore. He's a part-time wrestler now. So I wouldn't put it, to me, it's not in the same category. And that's fair. When we talk about matches that kind of catch your attention and make you, I don't want to say, suspend disbelief, I guess that's the phrase used in wrestling. But like what, when you watch a match normally, and you and I have talked about this, you know, for the most part, who is going to win and who's going to lose. It's it's very rare that you're caught off guard. Would you agree to that? 100%. So what do you say in a match with a Ronda Rousey versus Shayna Baszler? We know Ronda's heading on her way out. Is Does she do the job and does she put over Shayna? I mean, obviously she cares a lot about her friend Shayna. Or do you think Ronda ends up going out? I mean, normally when someone is leaving the company, they're they're going to go ahead and put the other person over. Do you think, I mean, when you look at this match itself, it's it's two MMA uh, competitors transitioning into WWE. I would think Shayna would go over, but once again, it's one of those things where you really don't know what's going to happen. Shayna has to go over. If Ronda doesn't put her over, that's bad business. Poor etiquette and shitty rigging, to be quite honest with you. Uh, tradition is tradition. You're on your way out. You put whoever over, make them bump them up a step as you're on your way out. That's the way it's been done forever in a day. It's a respectful thing to do. And it's a smart thing to do. It would be incredibly stupid for Rhonda to go over Shayna Baszler. So Rhonda goes over, and then she's out of here, or she'll be out of here real soon if she's not. And you've knocked. Baszler down. What, what did you benefit from that? Well, the reason I I, I I post that question is because when you look at both of them, is Shayna really going anywhere? I, I don't necessarily know if the Shayna Baszler train has either stopped, stalled, or whatever it may be because they've tried so many things with Shayna Baszler. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily feel like any of them have ever clicked. I don't feel like she's ever gotten that good, you know, groove that where she's in. And and I feel like they've put her in goofy tag teams. And I never really feel like she was given the chance to be the person in the in the women's division. So I see this one as a toss-up. I mean, yes, I mean conventional wisdom would say Rhonda should put her over. But then on the flip side, it's Rhonda's last match. She's leaving WWE for all intents and purposes. I mean, you know, does it necessarily mean this is her last match? No. But from everything that we're reading right now, Rhonda has a hard out in her contract. She's already given the date to WWE. She said she wants her last feud to be with Shayna Baszler. And because Shayna was the one who brought her into WWE, you know, could it be, I don't know, she, she makes Rhonda submit she makes Shane to submit uh, something like that D 
I don't know what they would do with this because I don't feel like either girl has much momentum going. So I don't feel like a loss one way or the other is going to hurt either one of them. So that's why I kind of feel like it would be a surprise. Yeah, I, I can see where you're going. Uh, I don't disagree with you. I just think it's better business to put Shane over. No, Leave I, I, I would agree. In a if, better if place it. than she was. Right. If this is, in fact, what it is. No, I, I, I have some, no problem with that. Um, Let's go to, oh gosh, it's a, a match where normally somebody might be really interested in it, but now it's maybe not as exciting. Asuka versus Bianca Belair versus Charlotte Flair for the WWE Women's Championship. I think Bianca Belair losing the championship was kind of surprising to a lot of people. And I think Asuka getting a chance to be champion again kind of surprised people. But then, and in some ways it doesn't because, you know, they gave Asuka, you know, a brand new look. And, you know, they, they, they changed Asuka in a lot of ways. And that kind of put a fresh coat of paint on her, which was really, really good. But do you feel like, and maybe this is just me, I don't really feel like Asuka is someone that is a, a flag bearer for a division. I really don't. I think Bianca Belair is way more appealing to people. She's got way more crossover appeal. But then again, now you're throwing in Charlotte Flair. Is Charlotte Flair going to go for another loss? Because if you put the belt on Charlotte, you are going to turn fans away. I absolutely guarantee and promise you, you will turn fans away. So either Asuka has to have a great match with two great competitors and retain, or Bianca Belair needs to have a great match and she regains the championship because if Charlotte does her figure eight and walks away champion, I cannot say a lot of people are going to be happy with that because it's 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 going to be wash, rinse, and repeat. And it's the same formula every single time she goes away. She comes back. She hasn't done much to come back, but she's back. And now she's in a world title picture all over again. Um, what would your thoughts be? What would make you happy? And what would absolutely frustrate you with this match? I'd like to see Oscar go over. I, for me, out of the three, I enjoy Oscar's matches better. Um. My God, if they give it to Charlotte, that that's gonna upset people to put it mildly. Like I said, it's rinse and repeat. Come on, but does Charlotte need the belt to be no way? Charlotte doesn't need to win a championship for the rest of her career. She's already one of the most talented and decorated women wrestlers in WWE history. Um. Again, we talked about this on many episodes. Sometimes the belt can make the person. Sometimes the person can make the belt. If a belt is irrelevant, a successful name can bring it back to its prestige. But a prestigious wrestler doesn't necessarily need a belt because they're already at that point where a belt could have taken them, right? You're not going to get any higher than where they are right now. That's right. I, I agree 100% there, Mike. Uh, yeah, I don't see a point in putting it on Charlotte unless they just have no faith in anybody else. And that wouldn't shock me either. Um, I agree, Bianca's probably got more crossover appeal. I just really like Asuka. I've always liked Asuka. 
So to me, that's who I want to see had the belt. I could see him putting it on Bianca. It would make sense. I can see him putting it on Charlotte. That would be foolish. But that's just fooey. If they do that, I don't I don't think that's a good idea. But if I'm picking, I want to stay on Asuka. Well, you've invested this much into Asuka as of right now, you know, and, and would you want to change things? I, I don't know. Um, she's not a bad champion. Right. It's, it's not like she's dog crap in the ring. She's right. very good in the ring. Her new meaner persona, I don't know if you want to say it that way or not, I think is great. She's got a little more edge to her. She's a little nastier. I enjoy it. Coming up, Ricochet versus Logan Paul in a match where this is all stemming from the alleged botch spot that happened at the last pay-per-view money in the bank where Logan Paul was attempting to do, I want to say it was a Spanish fly, and it didn't work out so well. And they kind of took took that moment and they kind of you know, said, you know what, let's let's use this as fodder for a feud. So Ricochet is going to be taking on Logan Paul. I think Logan Paul has been one of those few people, celebrity-wise, who's come into wrestling, who's done very well. Logan Paul has taken wrestling very seriously, just like um, Pat McAfee did when he was working with Adam Cole down in NXT. He took it very seriously as well. I like Logan Paul. I feel like a lot of what Logan Paul does is a lot of high spots and the same criticism other promotions get by having too many high spots. Him and Ricochet, it's just going to be a high spot fest, which can be fine, but I feel like there needs to be a little bit more established wrestling involved as well. This is not typically a match WWE fans would go for because they're not all about the high spots, but this match could definitely get crazy. And I definitely see where this match could end in an injury. Um, what's your thoughts on Ricochet and Logan Paul? And do you feel like this, if it goes off the way they want to, could this steal the show? Four. I'm in for four out of five. I think that's going to be a great match. Just, you're not going to go real far with this story. This is not something you would turn into a long-term storytelling thing. But that match is going to be good. Could somebody get hurt? Sure. Somebody could get hurt in any match. Somebody could get hurt in any Young Bucks match or Lucha Brothers match. or That's just a chance to take when you're a spot wrestler. So I, I, that, to me, is truly irrelevant. Uh, I think that's going to be an amazing match. The only reason I don't give it a five is because the story might be a... It's not really a story. It's not really there. There's nothing that's really but, developed. But it's going to be a good match. That 100% could steal the show. That's think, going to be exciting. It's almost impossible for that not to be an entertaining match. Entertaining, I will agree with you. I think it'll definitely be an entertaining match. I think it'll give the WWE Universe another look at Logan Paul. And Logan Paul has surprised me because I feel like his commitment is higher than what even what I was giving him initially credit for. So I think it'll be good. 
I think it'll be a good match and, and hopefully no one gets injured and hopefully they can de definitely leave an impression on the audience, which will leave everybody happy going home. Um, let me see here. Uh, I had my notes and now I lost them. Oh, that's not it. Um, here we go. Gunther versus Drew McIntyre for the Intercontinental Championship. Now, these are all the matches that are confirmed as of right now. So, Cody Rhodes, Brock Lesnar, Seth Rollins, Finn Balor, Oscar Charlotte, and Bianca Belair, Roman Reigns versus um, Jey Uso, Ricochet Paul, uh, Logan Paul, Ronda Rousey, Shayna Baszler, and finally Gunther versus Drew McIntyre. They brought drew mcintyre back after he had been out for a while and there had been some injury issues with with drew but there was also some issues creatively if you remember gosh several weeks at leading up to money in the bank um it was reported that he was not happy with the direction that he was going in in wwe even though wwe was going to be putting a pretty fat contract out there for him to stay it seems like the creative aspect of of what he does was more important at this stage of his career. Well, they did bring him back. Uh, he does still have some dates on his um, contract, which I do believe is going to be ending late 2024. So he has a little under a year to go with that. Um, do you think at this point in time, he dethrones Gunther? Uh, Gunther's kind of a big deal right now. I mean, he's arguably the most respected and polished Intercontinental champion we've had in a long time. Yeah, I can't see Drew winning. Uh, I think they're going to keep the title on um, Gunther for another little bit. Uh, he, he's your, uh, then I'm going to ask, so is Drew, but he's your European guy. You know, you, you want to have that European draw, European appeal. And, it, and he's not just a champion for that. A lot of people love Gunther. I'm not one of them. But a lot of people think he's amazing. So I could see him keeping the belt on him. I think at this point, the only reason WWE would give the belt to Drew would almost, it'd almost be a bribe at this point. Like, yeah, your contract's coming up. We want to keep you here. See, this is how much we're invested in you. We're going to give you the belt. I could see it. It might be stretching a bit. I don't see how WWE would benefit from Drew being the IC title. Drew's probably better than the IC title. Uh, I don't know if that's necessarily a stretch. Might not agree with it, but I don't think it's a stretch. It's not way off base, is it? Do you think that the reason why they put the belt on Gunther, again, the belt can make the person, the person can make the belt. Gunther brought relevancy back to the Intercontinental Championship. I think he did. I think he's been successful in, in accomplishing that. And I think that's why the Intercontinental Championship is, at least with this run with Gunther, been more relevant than it's been in, in years past. And I think it's a good thing. I would, I would say you would keep it on Gunther because you want to keep that momentum going. I ultimately think Gunther could be a WWE champion. I really mean that. And I think he could be somebody who could go toe-to-toe -to -toe with a Roman Reigns. And it could be an absolute, uh, just blow for blow, just a great, great match. Um, 
and I definitely could see Gunther becoming WWE champion now. Is that what they have in the plans? I don't know. But yeah, outside of trying to persuade Drew McIntyre to stay, um, what really are you going to do? I mean, if you don't give him the IC championship, then where do you end up putting Drew McIntyre? Does he somehow get mixed into the fold for Roman Reigns at some point? But then you also got to think, well, we're starting to build up the road for Cody to go to Roman Reigns. So obviously, you know, WrestleMania is not right around the corner, but how do you, how do you work all that in there? I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you just inject, you know, Drew McIntyre into a situation when he's been gone for a while where he's not necessarily woven into the fabric of any type of storyline. Like there's not really anything going for him. It's just Drew came back and now Drew's going to be taking on uh, Gunther and see what happens. So, but do you think Drew needs to be the champion? Like, no, Drew. Drew doesn't it, need a belt at all. It's not like he needs it. But Drew it's not like without the belt, he's irrelevant or anything like that. Far from it. Right. So if he's not the champion, he can still be relevant. Oh, he could very just because you're not the champion doesn't mean you're meh, whatever. Nobody cares. That's not correct. I don't think that's the case. And right? he can still be incredibly relevant. Still have a great run do very well for himself and not be the champion it's happened yeah no i agree with you on that um some other matches that are predicted to um be announced obviously the undisputed tag team championship kevin owens and Sami Zayn take on the judgment day damian priest and dominic mysterio that's also a rumored match to happen rhea ripley versus raquel rodriguez austin theory versus la knight or santos escobar uh, Becky Lynch versus Trish Stratus. Um, let me also throw this out to you as well. Let's talk a little bit more about LA Knight. Now, I have been studying Mr. LA Knight a lot more recently. And I remember a few weeks ago, you and I had a conversation about, you know, nothing's ever 100% original in wrestling anymore. You know, I, I took a little of this from this guy. I took a little of that from that guy. You can definitely see the influences on LA Knight from Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, all of that. But what I will say about LA Knight is that regardless of who um, or what pieces he's taken from different people, or he may even tell you it's, it's just organic and it's naturally him, fans have really gotten behind him. And I read an article where it said Vince McMahon is a big fan of him right now. However, I also read another article that says, and whether or not this is a bunch of hooey, um, he's not the best guy behind the scenes. And the way you conduct yourself behind the scenes can definitely have a big impact of what happens in front of the curtain. Now, that could also just be a bunch of rhetoric, um, you know, with the website writers writing a bunch of stuff. But when it comes to L.A. Night, it's been really interesting to see somebody get over this organically and this quickly – I mean, think about it. When he first kind of came up as L.A. Knight, we were like, okay, right? And it was that whole models gimmick that he was a part of, and that really wasn't that great. And then he came up and he had the match with Bray Wyatt, and we're like, okay, this is kind of weird. And Uncle Howie, Howdy, Howie, whatever his name is, is, is there. Um, but then he really started to blossom. And right now, I mean, if you're looking at an L.A. Knight and a Cody Rhodes – 
Do you still put Cody Rhodes over LA Knight as far as the guy who's going to get the next big push? Or do you say, no, we're going to stick with the Cody story. Cody needs to complete the story. Or do you go, man, I didn't expect this LA Knight thing to happen as well as it did. Maybe we need to put the the cart behind this guy and and give him a big push. Uh, I can't give you an honest answer on that, Mike, because I'm biased. I want to see him keep pushing Cody. However, LA Knight's over. People love him. Right? Apparently he's got the highest selling merch in WWE right now, his t-shirts. That the fans are going for him. I hadn't heard this uh backstage stuff. I I, I hadn't read that. Um if that is the case, then it's definitely going to be Cody. Uh, you just you have to play nice at work. It's just the way the world is these days. You know, check your ego and add to that the door type of thing. That's what he needs to do. If that is the case, even I don't know. I hadn't read about it. But yeah, I want to see him keep going. They've invested a lot in Cody. A hell of a lot, a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of resources, everything, and they kind of already dropped the ball a little bit on it at WrestleMania, not having him win, in my opinion. But with LA Knight, he's red hot, and it's it's an organic thing. It's not from pushing him. Because let's be honest, that Mountain Dew match did him no favors. Oh, that did not help yeah. him whatsoever. But he is over right now. Right, I mean, People are invested in him. It's, it's a tough go. I mean, from a business standpoint, he's probably over more than Cody, I think. How about you, you finagling a, a few between the two of them? I don't know. Against a babyface versus against a babyface? Wow. It could be done. It could be done. The one thing I will say is this. I think Ellie Knight is... So, I don't know. Would you say... Okay, this might sound a little weird. LA Knight is... I don't want to say he's a bad wrestler, but where he's going right now, he's a really good entertainer. He's a really good entertainer. He cuts good promos. Mm-hmm. Now, Cody Rhodes cuts good promos, but Cody Rhodes is also a really good wrestler. So where do you, you know, when it looks like, who are you going to push? I mean, from the fans' perspective, you put all your eggs in the Cody Rhodes basket. But now all of a sudden, hey, something happened along the way to the market here. L.A. Knight got really, really hot. Do you just continue to push L.A. Knight? Because at some point in time, not to say L.A. Knight needs a belt because he doesn't, but you almost want to reward, I guess, in a way, the fans by their support, by seeing their guy get something, win something. That's what happened with Kofi. Yeah, in some ways it did happen with Kofi that way. Right. I mean, he just just got over. He wasn't pushed. Right, but he got over, and they kind of didn't have a choice but put the belt on him. He was probably the most over guy in the Federation at that point, I think. Like everybody loved him. 
I feel like so much of the Cody Rhodes story has already been told to us that I feel like if they venture away from that narrative, it's almost going to feel like they were, they're not giving up on the Cody Rhodes story. And for Cody Rhodes, he recently gave an interview and he said that he was, he was too meta when he was in AEW. And I never really understood what that context meant. And he said, well, you know, I was wrestling, but I was also doing a lot of backstage stuff. I was also doing a lot of executive stuff. I had an office uh, in the buildings that we would go to. People would come in and go out and, you know, I would be answering questions and trying to solve problems. And he said the reason why he thinks that it did, there wasn't a big blow up in AEW when he was leaving was because there wasn't a whole lot of turmoil surrounding him leaving. It was just one day he was here and one day he was gone. And I think he feels better that he's now in WWE. I don't know if he necessarily really was ready to be a full-time executive and wrestle at the same time. And then when you look at it from that perspective, you have to say, well, I mean, sometimes titles sound really intriguing like an executive but when you're doing that and you're performing at the same time and you're putting out fires backstage, there's probably a lot of things that Cody Rhodes did that we did not even realize. But I also think if you're doing these things backstage and then you go out to wrestle and you're getting booed, I mean, he got booed a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's easy for Cody to be really happy and chipper right now because people are all behind him. He's the baby face. What do you think fans turned on in AEW? Sorry, Mike, I should have interrupted. No, you're, you're fine. I feel like maybe fans turned against Cody because almost the Roman Reigns effect. I mean, we got too much Cody shoved down our throats in AEW. And the whole concept of AEW is we're going to do things differently than what they do in WWE. Like WWE's philosophy is we have our guy, right? And we're going to push him down your throat until you like our guy. Well, in AEW, that doesn't really seem to be the same way. The management can say, we like this guy. But if the fans don't get behind him, that person no longer becomes, quote unquote, the guy. And Cody also had mentioned before, you know, it was a big mistake saying if I didn't win the AEW World Championship, that I would never challenge for that championship again. He said he kind of put himself in a really bad spot. Which I agree with as well, but I just don't think fans were connecting with Cody Rhodes. I just really don't. I think people had seen so much of this and everything was about Cody. And I think people just got burned out of it, if that makes any sense. Well, it makes perfect sense. Uh, I'm just more interested in what your your take was on where, uh, where that went south. I, I just think Cody tried too hard to be likable when the audience didn't want to like him. And if you want me to give an example, when he would throw his weightlifting belt out, do you remember the night where this actually happened a couple of times where they would throw the weightlift belt back? I don't remember that. Oh man, you have to see that. If you haven't seen it, look it up on YouTube. Um, It's almost the way John Cena was handled when it was a one night stand and he threw his shirt out and then they threw it back. 
and he threw his shirt out and they threw it back. Does that make yeah, sense? Have you seen but that? That's part? A, I, I've heard about that, but that's a whole different creature there. Well, what I'm saying though is I'm just saying the audience was not accepting of what he is. Right? Yeah, but every time Cody would go out there and he give a promo, it was just everything had to be super emotional. Everything had to be this and that. And it just felt kind of contrived. Yeah, I think a lot of people. So. But the throwing of wheat belt back, I don't know. I don't know. That's, to me, that's a bit much. Like, I wouldn't throw it back. Not a chance in hell. No, I, I wouldn't throw it. it. I'd hawk it before I left the arena. No, I didn't go into my collection. Do you realize some of these wrestling fans that they can't afford rent, but they'll buy the most expensive tickets? Like I went to WrestleMania in Chicago one year, uh, 22, and I'm not trying to be disparaging, but there were people who looked like they they had their last two nickels to put together, and they had their kids with them, and it was like, you know, they had socked every penny they had into this event, and then after the event was over. They're trying to hawk the chairs. They spent yeah. all that money. You know the chairs that they put on the floor and they're commemorative. They're trying to hawk those things. And it's just like, oh, my God. Like, why? Why, 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 why are we doing this? I don't I would have bought a chair. What are you going to do with it? It's just a chair. I'd love to have one of those wrestling chairs. I had one for Cyber Sunday from WWE. I think I've gotten rid of it now. Huh. I got one for one of the Summer Slams. I got rid of that one. Yeah, I've had them before. Didn't, um, didn't let me know. You know what? If I find it, I'll let you know. Please do. I definitely will. No, I that would be cool. I think in East blah, 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 try it again. ECW. I think it was I think it was Axel had it on a chair. Maybe it was balls. Ouch. This is going to hurt. I've thought about painting one of those chairs up myself, putting them in my wood shop. If I found one, I'd buy a drop of a dime. Really? Oh, I think they're hilarious. I think it's awesome. Well, we might have to check out and see what they have online to see if they have some previously used uh, floor seat chairs. I almost bought a new action figure last night. What? Really? For what company? WWE and Abdullah the Butcher figure. I was going to buy it. It was at the store? No, online. How much was it going for? A lot. 40 bucks, probably. <laughs> That's cute. What? It's what? An Abdullah the Butcher action figure? From WWE, it was going for more than that? The Hall of Fame figure, the cheapest one I've seen was 100 oh my Plus shipping. You would not be that naive to buy something like that, would you? I, I mulled it over for a little while. And then you came to your senses. I still haven't gotten my senses. I still have it saved in my phone. A hundred bucks for a toy doll? Yeah. Buster. It's not that bad. It's a cool figure. A hundred bucks for a toy doll. Yep. I mean, I'm going on WWE's website right now. Here we go. Um, let's see. Gosh, they got a Muhammad Ali WWE action figure set for 
Jake Roberts. No, I'm not spending a hundred bucks for a fucking just money. You can't take it with you. No, you can't. But I mean, listen. I guess it just depends on what your situation is. Like, like for me, it's hard for disposable income. So when it comes to me buying certain things, I have to make sure like it's really something I want. But, oh, it is for me too. Hundred bucks is hundred bucks. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a bit of money. That's why I didn't buy it. I'm an adult occasionally, Mike. <laughs> so, like I said, there's some other matches for SummerSlam that are being hinted around about that could be happening, may or may not. I'm interested to see what's going to happen as we get closer to SummerSlam. Um, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a big event. It's going to be a huge event. Talking about huge events, let me ask you this question. Have you kind of kept up with the ticket numbers right now for all in at Wembley Stadium where they stand right now? I have not. Let's hear it. I'm sure you have because you just want to go that you're right and the butt is wrong. No, 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 no. That's not true. Really? Yeah. I'm not that type of person. Yes, you are. That I want to be right all the time? No, not all the time. Just when it comes to me. Oh, when it comes to you. Oh, oh that's true. Yes. Let's see here. Uh, I don't blame you. Let's see where we stand right now. Uh, bu- 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 ticket update here. 64,000. No, it's higher than that. Hmm. It's got to be higher than that because I just read an article and I just saw something on X that uh, said it was more. Let me see here. I thought that he had crested over the 70. Brandon Thurston usually covers this stuff really, really well. Okay. Um, so right now it says that they have sold 76,271 tickets have been sold. 69,700 are paid. So far, it is an $8.9 million gate so far. Wow. 70,000 have been paid for. Basically, 76,251 tickets were sold. Of that, 67,700 are paid and 8.9 million at the gate. And they still haven't announced a single match for the event yet. When is this event? Is it not in a couple weeks? It is. It's coming up really, really soon. Um, Here's an update right here. Um, Blue Fox gave this update on July 24th. 76,602 distributed. An update, now 71,201 are paid. There is approximately 7,466 tickets still available, and the current setup is for 84,084 seats. Well, I was wrong. So I was it, very, very wrong. It, it maxes out at uh, 90,000, but I think with the stage and all that, I think they're going to be... Probably over not. Eight million dollar gate. That's huge. Eight million dollars. And and see, here's the other thing. That's not even counting merch yet. Nope. So Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer was saying that he feels like what WWE did when they went over and they did SummerSlam over at Wembley Stadium was they ended up making a ridiculous amount of money on merch. It was like two point five million. Now, they did that because they had multiple merch stands all throughout the concourse of the uh, the stadium. Now, they're kind of concerned about the way this is going to happen with AEW because AEW's merchandise, as far as their t-shirts, are made by Pro Wrestling, Pro Wrestling Tees. Tees. 
So pro wrestling tees that hopefully they've already been around the clock pumping these things out, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, just, just mass producing these things. Or Meltzer had said that maybe that AEW has reached out already to a company over in England and is kind of contracting them out to go ahead and, and pump out merchandise. Um, but he did also say the one thing AEW does not do very well is their merch stands. There's usually only one or two merch stands at events, and the lines are ridiculous. And I can vouch on that. They're very, very long. And that could definitely be turning away a lot of people. Why not have more merch stands open so more people can buy stuff so you'll have shorter lines? But once again, this all depends on what Tony Khan wants to do. But it's going to be happening live Sunday, August the 27th. That is the big date. So we are about a month away. So a couple points on that. Yes. One, they Khan would be foolish not to have umpteen merch stands. I agree. He'd need to be a complete knucklehead. I agree. And the next one is a personal question. So you're in line. You're at an event. How long are you waiting to get a T-shirt? Half hour. Wow. Good for you. Not this guy. No way. You wouldn't wait 30 minutes? Nope. I mean, that's the most I would wait. I, and I figure at the end of the day, if I, I'm at a big event and I have a chance to get, you know, merchandise, um, I definitely would. Now, I'm not going to buy the merchandise. It's the same stuff you could buy on the website. I want stuff that has like the UK flag on it and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Like I want it to be branded for the event. You know what I mean? Like the shirt that has, you know, the, the all the wrestlers and you yeah, know, Wembley Stadium on it. So yeah, half hour. I don't know. Like, half hour is really not that bad. You can shoot the shit, hang on your phone, whatever. But man, people spend so much goddamn money at these events. It's it's people buy those fucking belts, and like I have a couple belts, right? And I have them sitting in certain areas, and it's just like, good lord. I mean, I'm not going to be buying ten, twenty, thirty belts. There's no friggin' way, but people buy the belts there. People wear the belts. Well, they wear the belts into the pisser. It's like, whatever, dude. If that's your cup of tea, have at it. It's a little fucking weird, but I mean, let's talk about that. Yeah, maybe. You go to wrestling, okay? So you're going to go to a wrestling event, right? Are you going to go with the missus, correct? Yep. Okay, are you going to wear a fucking belt? Nope. Yes or no? Just the one to put on my jeans. Exactly. That's it. You got a beautiful woman on your arm and you got a fucking belt around your waist. Like, what are we doing? Like, I get it if the kids want to do it. I get it. School age. That's fine. They're kids. But I just don't get the guys. And like, and I'm not trying to be disparaging on wrestling fans who want to wear these things because it's your one moment. You know, for, for wrestling fans, this is like our Disney world, right? And so why not go all out, wear the ears, do the whole nine yards. I just think it's just kind of dumb because like I've I've literally gone into the bathroom to take a piss. I will not shit in any bathroom out there in public. No chance, no hair, no, no, no way at all. Am I putting my round white ass on any porcelain or plastic or a veneer toilet seat? There is so much herpes on that seat. It's not even funny. You can only catch it once. It only takes once, my friend. That shit comes back with you. Um, But no, but like there was a guy in there one time who was like, 
yeah and like they're all goofing like they're not serious but you know what how about you challenge me for the belt and i'm like oh my god this is why this is why wrestling fans along with some of the marvel people comic cons where people look at you like what the hell is your problem some people do take a, a little fur they take it so far and like i know people who do cosplay and i think it's 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 cool right but i mean i don't know isn't there a part of you that says a little weird like i don't mind cosplay like if you're going to like a comic con event and and you dress up like whoever the Incredible Hulk. I, I don't know. I'm not a I'm not a Comic Con person, but some of the time, I get it. Now, because you know, you, and a lot of them they'll do like um uh, competitions. You know, okay, best, if there's best, a competition best, uh, for prizes, I'm all for costume. Best, I don't know, best something or another. I get that, and some of them are doing the hustles so that are doing the pictures and whatnot, making a couple bucks. That I'm fine with. So that's not so bad, but you get people pretending to be wrestlers, walking around with a belt. It's a bit, yeah, that's a bit fooey for me. Uh, I don't know. Not my cup of tea. I was out in Las Vegas on my honeymoon and uh, on the strip, much like out in Los Angeles, there's a lot of, there's a ton of people who are, you know, outside of uh, man's Chinese theater. It's, it's one of those things where they're all out there. The, the, um, the Spider-Mans, the Batmans, the Marilyn Monroe's, the Elvises, right outside of Man's Chinese Theater. Well, when you're in Vegas, like you still have your street performers, right? Like the Michael Jacksons and all that kind of stuff. We were going because my wife wanted to go to the M&M store, like the, this big fucking store that sold candy. So right outside of there, they had like... um two guys who were i guess brothers if i remember correctly who were dressed up as alan from the hangover and they were wearing the like the aviator glasses and they had like a baby strapped to their chest and they had all that you know mm-hmm. crazy brown hair going on and i was like you know what i'll get a picture take cuz i do like the original movie and i'm telling you between those two guys the level of bo was off the chart. Wow! Yep. Go down to Fremont. Have you ever gone to Fremont? Street I've not gone Vegas? down to Fremont because Binion's is down there, and I know it they've is. they've done a lot of. Is it any better? Vegas is or uh, Fremont. That's a creature all of its own. Oh, I believe it. That's. That's different. The first time Lynn and I went down there, there was a guy on Fremont. Because there's a lot of street performers Correct. Uh, on Fremont. There was these two or three guys dressed up as Power Rangers dancing. There was a uh, topless nun. Yeah. That was different. Uh, there was a guy on stilts. That's what I mean, he was like eight feet tall. With devil horns and assless chaps on and a Speedo. Yeah, Fremont's a different creature. It's it's different there, man. Was the was the nun with the knockers hanging out? Was she good looking? Yeah, she was. Okay. I don't think she was a real nun though. Just you call it a hunch. I was gonna say I'm probably gonna guess that's not her occupation. 
You never know. You don't, but I mean, I'm sure that's breaking some kind of Vatican rule. I mean, it's got to be. Yeah, but you know, so maybe she's just side hustle, Mike. Just maybe it is. Maybe she's device. raising money for children. I have no idea. Um, she was so, raising something. Yeah. <laughs> There's just it's just that aspect of it that gets me. People staying in line, buying all that merchandise. Like the other thing is, like, I hope AEW makes a really good impression because do you think if AEW went back to Wembley, they could do repeat business again? Or do you think eh, normally the first time it's really hard to replicate? They could probably still put off a big show, but yeah, the first time it's, you got all the hoopla, all the hype. Like you said, everyone knows the damn match yet. And there's 70,000 tickets sold, like paid for 71,000, yeah. whatever it is. That's, that's impressive. But at the same time, UK wrestling fans are kind of starving for big shows. Yeah. If they have they have their local stuff, which nothing I'm not taking nothing away from it. But WWE hasn't done nothing big there in a long, long time. I mean, I don't know if New Japan those guys go to England doing shows. I have no idea. So they're they're a little bit hungry for it. But it's another, it'd be another example of like AEW is doing now with some of the towns who are doing their, their dynamites in. You can't go to the well too many times. Right. Because then people are like, eh, yeah, they had a, a super show last year too. Yeah, you still get your, your diehards. But it's not going to have the same hype and hoopla to it. Now, a couple things here. So let's see here. I don't know if you heard about this. Uh, WrestleMania 32. Um, it was in Cowboy Stadium, Arlington, Texas, AT&T Stadium. They said it was 101,763. Well, that has been disputed. And what they mean by that is... Um, it's been disputed because some people believe that that wasn't accurate. Well, WWE actually came out and said that it wasn't 101,000 and whatever. Um, I'm trying to bring up who said, um, oh my gosh, I'm trying to remember the person who said that it was not accurate, but it was disputed and it was more like 80 some odd thousand people. They also went ahead and said that WrestleMania 3, which for a long time in the United States, was the biggest, highest indoor attendance attendance record for anything. Was um, the Silverdome? The Silverdome, and they said it was 93,173. Now, again, I believe that also has been debunked as well as not being 100% accurate. And I'm trying to pull up this thing here. Um, okay. WrestleMania 23, which was in 2020, yada, yada, yada. Capacity of at least 70,000. Let's see here. Um, there was somebody who said that they debunked it, and then it was also confirmed by WWE that it was not, in fact, that much. Um, so if we're really looking at one of their biggest records of all time for WWE, would be if you take out the Silverdome, when you take out WrestleMania, what was that? I say 23. Mm -hmm. um, MetLife, MetLife Stadium had 80,676. You said Skydome. I'm trying to see which one. That was what, 18? 
Uh, oh, you mean Sky, the original Sky Doom, which was six. That's not even on here uh, as far as one of the biggest attendances. But they are saying that SummerSlam 1992, which was on August 29th, had 80,355. I think the biggest problem with, with WWE is they inflate a lot of their numbers, and a lot of their numbers aren't exactly accurate. And it they've been called on the carpet for it, and I think they've actually been told, yeah, this is not this is not accurate. You know. Um But they all do that, I think, Mike. I don't know. It's like when you're watching a hockey game and they, they announce the attendance. Oh, nineteen thousand oh, the bullshit. That stadium's half empty. There's not nineteen thousand people there. You don't think so? I've been at games before. And they announced the attendance. You look across it. No, there's not. What are you, high? No, there's not that many people here. Yeah. So it should be interesting. should be interesting to see if they can beat that. Do you know what the the uh, the highest uh, attended wrestling event of all time is? Probably something like a New Japan show over in the, the arena that I can't ever get right. So it was, if you have ever watched uh, The Dark Side of the Ring, remember the collision in Korea? It happened back in 1995. It was a two-day event. WCW? In Pyongyang, Korea. It was, they brought Muhammad Ali in. They also brought uh, Antonio Inoki in because he was actually in politics at that time. And it was a WCW New Japan card. And it was a two-day event. And on day one, they drew 150,000 confirmed. And it was, God, I'm going to say this wrong. Hashimoto versus Scott Norton for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. And then on the final night, drew 170,000, which was Antonio Inoki versus Ric Flair. That's craziness. Now, what you don't know is because this was in North Korea, all the citizens were mandated to go to the event. Really? Like everyone was walking out of their homes down the main streets and there was military out there as well. They were mandated to go to the event. So in that regard, I don't really qualify that as a highest attendance event of all time because it was very, it was, it was military enforced, government enforced. Still 150,000 people. So right now, Eric Bischoff and New Japan hold the record. I mean, and it's it, it, it will never be broken. It will never be broken. You, you, uh, WWE, no matter what, is never going to get 150,000. So if they ever, ever really opened a forbidden door, did a wrestling super card, WWE, Impact, MLW, Ring of Honor, New Japan, AAA, AEW, no? Where are you going to hold it? Well, I don't know. Never thought that far ahead. The Tokyo Super Arena. No, that wouldn't hold that many. Oh. Well, where'd they have it in North Korea? Uh, they hit it at the May Day Stadium. May Day Stadium. Um, that doesn't sound ominous at all. It doesn't, doesn't it? Oh, my God. I'm trying to see how many it holds. The Oh, Jesus. The capacity technically is 114,000. 
However, um, I think with floor seats and whatnot, you can get up to 207. My lord. Yeah. Some of those soccer stadiums got to be able to hold 150,000 people. Oh, I think the uh, Ohio State University. Uh, let me see how much they can hold. Um, their football stadium. They're a, a big one. Let me pull this up. Ohio State's a college football team. No, really? Are you going to mock me? Yes. I don't know if you know United States college football stuff. Oh, my. Do you? Is that a big thing in, in Canada? Not a big thing, but you know a little bit of that. Uh, okay, well, I take that back. I thought I could hold more. How many people? Uh, 66,210. Close. Just a bit wide. Okay, here it is. My mistake. I went ahead and I read the wrong article. Here is what can be held. Um, so Ohio State Stadium, it currently says, and this is off their website, 102,780. And that's just stadium seats. So if you had a wrestling event, you, you still obviously have the entire football field, which is a hundred yards to pack in floor seats, but then you also have to have the ring and the, yeah, you know, all that stuff. Um, Michigan, the Wolverines of that's Michigan. For, that's what I was going to ask. They've got to have a great big stadium. Ann Arbor. They do. They actually are bigger. They are at 107,601. What about Miami where the hurricanes play? Uh, let's see here. Or so, Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame's an old one. I don't know necessarily if it's all that big. Um, let's see here. You said the Miami Hurricanes. Yeah, they're an NCAA football team. Okay, really? Really? Thank, thank you, Jack Balls. I appreciate that. Try to insult my intelligence. Nope. Uh, did to me. Well, where would they hold it in Canada if they needed a hundred thousand plus? Skydome. Um, just trying to think. What's the sock? There's a soccer arena in Toronto, where the Toronto FC plays. I would assume that's a fairly big place. I've never been. Yeah, Skydome is the biggest arena stadium we have. It's called the what? The Rogers Center now? Oh yeah, it's a Rogers Center. So it'll always be the Skydome. That's nice. what it originally was. You know. You know when they change the names of stadiums just because they have a new sponsor, yeah, but it's always still what the original was. Amen to that. Let me see if I can find this. Miami University uh, in Florida. Let me see how many this holds. I don't have the exact number, but it is over 100,000. Hold it. The University of Miami's football stadium is called Hard Rock Stadium, and I, I am way off. It holds 64,767. So that won't do it. How many did Woodstock have? How many attendance Woodstock attendance? What would you guess? A lot. Had to be over a hundred thousand people at Woodstock. Uh, let's see here. Here we That's go. That's probably just the ones that remember they were there. Woodstock attendance. How many people attended Woodstock in 1969? Four hundred thousand people. What? It was a three-day event on the Max Ugaris Dairy Farm in Bethel, New York. Holy crap. There you go. Old Vinnie Mac could rent that. 
if you look at the pictures of Woodstock in 1969 and you just look at the 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 mass the sea of people it's Butster it's ridiculous I can imagine I mean it is I mean they had some huge people that were playing on that show wow well they had everybody pretty much it did the Stones was there Hendrix was there uh, I think Janice Joplin was there. Uh, of course, nobody else is coming to my mind. Uh, let's see here. And then I think Live Aid was another big one. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Um, it was held, actually, on a 600-acre farm. Okay, here are the people that performed. Here we go. Um Richie Havens performed. Swanee something or other performed. Uh, Sweetwater performed. Uh, Brett Summer performed. First of all, I've never heard of these guys. Tim Harden. Uh, Ravi Schnocker. Melanie performed. There's a lot of no... I don't want to say no-namers. That's not fair. Uh, Joan Baez performed, which is uh, Quill performed. Country Joe McDonald performed. Santana performed. Uh, John Sebastian. Was Ortiz with them? <laughs> Keith Hartley Band. The Incredible String Band. Canned Heat. Mountain. The Grateful Dead. Mm-hmm. Creedence Clearwater Revival, Janice Joplin, uh, Sly and the Family Stone. Now you're getting the big names. The Who, uh, Jefferson Airplane. Uh, let's see here. Joe Cocker, um, Country Joe and the Fish. Ten years after, and it actually shows their sets they played. The Band. Johnny Winter, Blood, Sweat, and Tears. I'm getting to the bottom of it. Crosby, Still, Nash, and Young. Um, Paul Butterfield, Blue Band. I thought there was more. Shanene, Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, so that's everybody who played. So there's a lot of big bands there. Yeah. Some I've, I've never heard of. Correct. But, I mean, there's a lot of big names as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Headlined by, like, Janet Joplin and Jimi Hendrix in The Who are the big ones. I thought the Stones were at it for some reason. I don't know. I don't know what was going on with that. That's a good question. There was a second Woodstock as well. Yeah, that was a disaster. Um, <laughs> There's a documentary about that on... Netflix or Prime or something? Yeah. That was bad news bears. Was it really? Yeah. They rioted, tore that place up. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was not about peace and love. So there was a Woodstock 94, and then there was a Woodstock 99. I didn't realize that. I think that's the one that they rioted at, 99. Okay, so Woodstock 94 had Blues Traveler, Jackal, Live, James, King X, Cheryl Crow, Collective Soul, Candlebox, Violent Femmes, um, Orleans, 
Huffamoose, the Goats, Peace Bomb, the Paul Luke Band, Abba Rage, uh, Futu Futu, Three, Master of None. Um, I'm trying to find out who else they had on there. They also had Joe Cocker again. They had Cypress Hill, Crosby, Still and Nash, Nine Inch Nails, Metallica, Aerosmith was there. Um, the Cranberries were there. Salt and Peppa were there. So they had a lot. So they had a lot of bands as well. But obviously that was. Um, they had the Spin Doctors. They had Bob Dylan, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Peter Gabriel. Uh, let me hear. Uh, Santana was there again. No Ortiz. Green Day was there. Um, and then they had. I think that's it. So that's you said wild. that the 1994 one did not do well. The 99 one. Oh, it was the 99 one? Okay. The last one. They had a rioted part place up. Okay. Let me see if I can find this out here. So as far as the 1994, so Woodstock 2 drew 350,000 fans. So obviously it's down from the original Woodstock of 400,000. So the Woodstock 99... Let me see once again. It was in New York. I'm trying to see if it says uh, how many people attended. Approximately 220,000. It was July 22nd through the 25th of 1999. And it was at Griffiths Air Force Base in Rome, New York. Uh, there was a lot of booking conflicts. There was financial issues. There were vendor issues. There was issues for concession and sanitation. I'm going to have to check out that uh, that documentary it's because they're intense. I'm reading this, and they said there was a shit show going on in this one. Well, they started lighting stuff on fire and everything. Wow! They, they tore that place up. The, the documentary is very good. Wow! Yeah, I have to check that out. Um, okay, so. Let me try to name some of the people that they had that were were bigger names. Um, James Brown performed, Sheryl Crow performed, DMX, The Offspring, Corn, um, Insane Clown Posse, George Clinton, and the P Funk All Stars, Buck Cherry, Tragically Hip. Uh, Lincoln Park. Lincoln Park. Moby performed, Counting Crows, Limp Biscuit, Metallica, Alanis Morissette, Kid Rock, Wyshef uh, Jean, um, Bruce Hornsby, Everclear, Ice Cube. Uh, let's see here. Fatboy Slim, Willie Nelson. Red Hot Chili Peppers, Jewel, Everlast, Creed. Jesus, I mean, there are still some big-ass names on here. Godsmack, Megadeth was on here. Let's see. According to the documentary, they were gouging people at 8 or $9 for a bottle of water. And Jesus. You apparently, you okay. couldn't bring your own water in. You had to buy it from the concession stands and stuff. Wow. There was a lot of crooked stuff going on. Well, it says The Ringer, which is an eight-part documentary podcast, tells all about it. 
The documentary Woodstock 99 Peace, Love, and Rage was directed by Garrett Price. It came out um, on July 23rd of 2021 on HBO and HBO Max. On August 3rd of 2022, Netflix picked up a three-part documentary called Trainwreck, Woodstock 1999. That was directed by Jamie Crawford. We had new interviews with concert goers, journalists, and people who were there. Man, I would love just to make a bucket of popcorn and just sit and watch that because I think that would be fascinating. It is. Wow. So the tra- couple of the members that are tragically hit, they're, they're a very popular Canadian band. They're, they're iconic, and they were at Woodstock 99. Okay. And I've done some work with two of the members professionally. Oh, wow. And I asked them about it, and they said that was, that was stupid. Like once it started getting bad, they had already performed. They got the hell out. This this is going off the rails. We're out of here. And they just left. Wow. I now what what is do they still perform or uh no, the lead singer passed away uh five years ago, six years ago, uh from uh, brain cancer. Oh my was that one of the guys you knew? Uh no. Okay. Wow. So yeah. So they did one last tour across Canada, and their last show was here in Kingston. So this is where they're from. Yeah. And they did one last show, and it's just a small stadium here. probably holds 5,000 people, I guess, for a concert. Of course, it was sold out. Uh, the prime minister even came to town for it. He had a private box and everything for it. You know, like they're, they're as big as it gets in Canada for music. They're, they're huge. Wow. And so they blocked off all the streets downtown here in Kingston. And so you could just have street parties. And in the Market Square, they put up a big projector screen and they showed the concert live. They That's aired crazy. the concert on CBC. CBC's the, you know, it's like, um, I don't know, Fox or CBS or, or something like that. It's a big, it's a big TV station here. And they aired the concert live, last concert. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a big deal. If they were, they never got over in the states though for some reason. A lot of their songs are very uh, Canadiana, so I guess that's why they never got over in the states. It could be just be something that Canadians can connect connect to the places, the yeah. phrases, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but that's crazy. That's I mean, you so you have an inside source to uh, to Woodstock '99. That's pretty bad. A little bit. Yeah, I like spoke it. to a couple of them, but it's because I I didn't know they were at it, and then Linda and I watched a documentary. You know, you know, like we all do these days. You're watching a documentary, you got your phone in your hand, you know, googling who else was there, and then seeing the hip were there. And, huh, and then when I was talking to a couple of the guys later, like, what happened? You're like, man, that was an absolute shit show. Right off the hop, you knew it was going bad. You just didn't know it was going that bad. Wow. So. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so there's, there's a random tidbit of the night. I like it. That's really cool. Um, getting back to wrestling, um, we have some new news on a wrestler who was supposed to be really, really high um, on a lot of people backstage at WWE because his contract was expiring. And he was a big-time performer in AEW. Well, that's Roosh. And it was unsure where he was going to go. I mean, WWE threw out a contract to him. 
uh, Tony Khan threw out a contract. Well, yesterday, Roosh revealed that he signed a new deal with AEW, while terms of the new deal have not yet quite been released. Wrestling Observer Radio. Tony Khan aims to lock him up when a fresh multi-year deal. So just to kind of let you know the way deals work in AEW from everything we've read, they're normally no less than three, no greater than five. So we're looking somewhere with a three to five year deal. Now the luchador had attended, had garnered interest from WWE as well when he was quietly working for AEW. Now Roosh also made it very clear that he's no longer working for triple a. He had obviously left the company as well. And I don't know if you knew this, but, but did you know that Ray Phoenix also um, vacated his championships for triple a? No, I did not know that. He is no longer working for the company either. Well, Conan has a podcast, uh, it's Keeping It 100, and he was talking about a little bit about why some people have decided to leave. I have not caught the whole story. I can look that up as well. Um, but yeah, it looks like Roosh uh, is staying with AEW minimum of three years, maximum of five years, but he officially ended up uh, quitting AAA. Let me see if I can get this in here. Um, he quit. Uh, here. What do you think the ceiling for Roosh is? Well, I mean, I think Roosh definitely... He's definitely world champion quality as far as a wrestler goes. It, it just really depends on who the audience wants to get behind. Um, I think he's really good. I think he's excellent. Uh, you know what? And I actually think um, that he definitely, with, with two other luchadors could definitely become the um the trios champions i really believe that let me think here let me see here why he quit uh, let's see here okay here we go this may shed a little bit light on Roosh's situation. Says uh AAA left Roosh in a difficult spot as Roosh departs before Triple Mania. Now this was back in June. Former Ring of Honor World Champion Roosh had signed a contract with AEW after various appearances last year. Now since then he's become a very valuable talent to Tony Khan. With that being said, Roosh left AAA recently, and it appears his actions have left AAA in a bad position. As previously reported, Roosh announced that he and his father had quit working for AAA and are back to doing independent shows. Roosh was scheduled to team alongside L.A. Park against Psycho Clown and Sam Madonis at Triple Mania in Tijuana, with a losing team set to square off against each other in a mask versus hair match at Triple Mania Mexico City. While speaking to the Wrestling Observer, Dave Meltzer talked about how the messy situation with AAA all fell through. Meltzer noted that Roosh left AAA in a very bad position as he quit the promotion just before the biggest event of the year, which was Triple Mania. The Roosh situation is very interesting. I have not heard from anyone else at AAA, and nobody else is really talking about it right now. So no one's really addressing the situation. So it, it looks like Roosh's father uh, is, a, is a big name in triple a now there must have been a fallout with his dad and a lot of times when you talk about hispanic wrestlers it, it's very much a generational thing uncle you know father grandfather son that type of deal and if his dad left the company it doesn't surprise me that his son would follow suit uh, but if you're looking for the whole story behind that uh, conan's podcast keep it at 100 
definitely has the the scoop into what's going on here. Um, now Ray Phoenix as well uh, is no longer a part of AAA. So let me pull that up here. And it's interesting because Kenny Omega just had a match with Venkingo for the AAA uh, Mega Championship, and uh, he lost the match. Obviously, that wasn't going to be mentioned on American television, but I saw the match, and um, it was actually a really good match. So I'm trying to see if there's any news here. See if I can find anything as to the reasons why. But yeah, he vacated his championships. And he's no longer with the company. You no, know, something like that happens, it makes you wonder what's the uh, what's going on. Is there backstage something going on? Who knows? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I'm with you. I don't know. I, I, kind of suspect when everybody starts leaving. Yeah, no, I mean it definitely it definitely makes you wonder what's happening here because that's not really a typical thing for people to just quit. So I don't have all the information right now. When I do, I'll definitely go ahead and I'll bring it up. But um, so that's what's going on with that. So Roosh is staying with AEW. I'm happy for that because I think he's a great wrestler. And you were asking me what's the, lim what's the, the limit here. I hope AEW is not just the type of company who says we're only going to really focus on like five guys who could be our world champion. I hope they don't do that. If they did that, I think that would bother me. I don't want them to say like, oh, it can only be an MJF or an Adam Cole or um, a CM Punk. I don't think Jericho falls in that category anymore. Or a John Moxley or a Hangman Page or a Kenny Omega. I hope they are open to other people being a world champion as well. Because if not, then I feel like you're really closing yourself off, if that makes sense. Oh, totally does. Yeah. Um, let me see what else, what else, what else you and I were talking about before we went on the air tonight. We were also talking, um, about Bret Hart. Um, you and I were talking a little bit about this. Evidently, Bret Hart was in communication with AEW. Now who initiated the conversations? I don't know, but Bret Hart was talking to AEW about wanting to be a producer for the company. Now, once again, you have to take everything you read with a grain of salt uh, Tony Khan uh, decided that he did not want to bring Brett in. He wanted Brett, if he was going to come in, to be something that Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson do, and that's be an on-camera personality, manager, whatever you want to say, instead of just being someone behind the scenes to help with booking or to help with putting matches together. Do you think it's a case, Butster, that... Tony Khan saw money in bringing Bret Hart back on camera, but if Bret Hart's not going to be on camera, then what's the point of bringing Bret Hart back? I, if you're looking at it from a monetary standpoint. Is, no. Is Bret going to bring that much attention if he came back on camera? I think are, it are, are you going to clamor and lose your mind if they announced you know, that Bret's going to be on Dynamite tomorrow night? That would be a big deal. Really? Yeah. Like I think that it It'd be a big deal, but it wouldn't be massive. It wouldn't be like Punk coming back. Oh, I, I disagree. I think it really? would be big. I think it would be big because I think what Brett would end up doing is 
I mean, think about the, he could be there with FTR, which would be a huge thing. CM Punk. I mean, he could have his own stable. Um, I don't obviously you're not going to call it the Heart Foundation, but I mean the Heart Alliance or you know what I mean? Like, I feel like you definitely could have something there with Brett, definitely with FTR. There's no doubt about it with that. I, I think he and he on the mic, he can cut really good promos. I think he would be a great addition. But again, it all depends on what you value. Do you value being able to sell tickets with Bret Hart on the marquee? Or do you feel like, do I want Bret Hart for his mind backstage? And like you said earlier on in the show, I mean, you got the Stings and you got the Dustin Rhodes and you got the Dean Malenko's. And uh, who else did you say? Um, you got all these Jazz, other people. Jericho. Right. Christian How many Page. more people do you really need to bring in to be producers when Bret Hart is signed with your company. I mean, that's a big deal in my opinion. I mean, granted, he's not going to get back in the ring, but Bret Hart, I think that would have been a big deal. I think they need to sign somebody. I don't know who, but they need to sign somebody to keep the locker room in line. So producers, agents, coaches, where you welcome, somebody needs to step up because that's kind of gone the way to Dodo Bird. Can't so, disagree with you on that. I don't know if Brett would necessarily be the guy, but somebody. What about the Undertaker's doing these days? Bring him in. He'd sort it out quick. And then, <laughs> um, talking about sorting things out, let's go ahead and let's give a little love to Impact Wrestling. Uh, Ryan Clark is writing on the E-Wrestling News. Impact Wrestling is going to be making a big international announcement later this week. Now, according to a report from PW Insider, a major international announcement will be announced on Thursday morning uh, when it comes to Impact Wrestling on all forms of social media. Now, as you know, AEW and WWE have both been expanding internationally. And All In will be at Wembley Stadium, and uh, Money in the Bank recently took place at the O2 in London. So it's going to be interesting. What are they going to say about where they're going to go? Could this be a European thing? Could this be? They just finished a tour in Australia, and I think they also did New Zealand as well. Um, but I think this is going to be really, really interesting because and the reason I say this is because just because you're not hot in the U.S., doesn't mean your product is not hot in other parts of the world. That's one big thing people need to realize. 100%. I, I don't know if – I hope they're not going to try to do the England thing to keep up with the other two. Uh, I don't think that would be wise. Um, I don't think that would be the case because I think Impact Wrestling understands that they can't draw a crowd like that. Yeah. And it's nothing against Impact Wrestling, but I don't think they can draw – do you think Impact Wrestling honestly could draw twenty five thousand? Yep. Okay. Okay. Maybe. Do you think Impact Wrestling could draw thirty thousand? No. Twenty five would be the ceiling. That that would be the limit. Okay. That's fair enough. Yeah, I could see him doing that because it's it's the the new because you know if they were to go over to England right now, probably wouldn't be it the best time you know with um wwe just did it you know aw's got the big event next month uh, how do you follow that up but that you can't like you're you're damn there like you're not i don't care who you put in to try to follow that up you're gonna be hard pressed 
But I would think, say, like next year, sometime when it's cooled down a bit, when you haven't had like big cards from other much bigger federations, no disrespect to Impact, but they're not in the same boat as WWE or AEW. No, definitely not. Right? So once the that's worn off a bit and people are hungry for another big event, I could see them. But they'd have to put off a super card. They yes. need to, to put everybody in there, like, you know, eight or ten solid matches. Yeah, there's got to be some gimmick matches involved. There's got to be something special to it. It couldn't just be a normal uh, impact or normal weekly show type of thing. It need to be a huge slammiversary, something like that. I would agree. I would agree. Talking about big things here, I don't know if you, you caught the last uh, episode of Collision, but uh, Billy Gunn, uh, he and the Acclaim were going against the House of Black for the triple, uh, the trios championships, and they lost, and Billy Gunn left his boots in the ring, and obviously, I know they're playing this up as part of a storyline, uh, because the Acclaimed, you know, they were cutting the sh- cameras to the Acclaimed, who were like shocked, and trying to get Billy's attention. Then Billy climbs out of the ring and then blows him off and walks up the, uh, the ramp. When it comes to Billy Gunn, and I was thinking about this when he broke into the WWE and I want to say that was in 1993 with the smoking guns. I don't think I knew of anyone else who's currently still going outside of PCO. Yeah, PCO took a bunch of years off though. That's true. Working well, I mean, regardless, working for a mainstream company. Who from that 1993 WWE roster is still working in a major company? And when I mean major, I mean NWA, I mean Impact, WWE, AEW, those four. I don't know. Jericho was he around in 93? Where was Jericho then? Was Jericho in East? CW. Good question. Um, Let's see here. Let me see if I can pull that up. Yeah, I don't know, I'm just kind of going through my head here, trying to think. Anybody? Um, Edge wouldn't have been around in '93. That was before his no. time, I think. Yes. So Chris Jericho. Let's see here. Where was he at? Yeah, Jericho might fall into that category. It's I'm a very gonna... short list. It is very short. That that I think we can both agree on. Well, um, I mean, if you just go back to the... Let me just click on this here. Um, the WWE 1993 roster. Pull this up, mate. 1993 roster. I want to say it was 1993 when the smoking guns showed up. I do believe it was. I'll look into that for you. All right, so let's pull up the 1993 full roster of stars. All right, Adam Bomb, no. Alpha, no. Alundra Blaze, no. Bam Bam Bigelow, no. Bart Gunn, no. Boss Man, no. Billy Gunn, yes. Bob Backlund, no. Heenan, no. Bret Hart, no. Brian Nobbs, no. Brutus Beefcake, no. Luke and Butch, no. Crush, no. Diesel, no. None of the doinks. Earthquake, no. Uh, Fatu, no. Gene Okerlund, no. Tenru, no. 
Giant Gonzalez, Grill Monsoon, Harvey Whippleman, Howard Finkel, Hulk Hogan, IRS, Jack Tunney, oh, Jeff Jarrett. Okay. Wow. Jerry Lawler does not actively wrestle, I don't believe, for one of the major companies. Jerry Sags, Jumping Jim Brunzel, Jim Cornette, Jim Duggan, Jim Ross, Jimmy Hart, Johnny Polo, Kamala, Coco Beware, Lex Luger, Lord Alfred, Ludwig Borga, Luna Vachon, Mabel. So, of those people, was it what? Jeff Jarrett? Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett, okay. Marty Gennetti. Let's see. Uh, Mr. Fuji, Mr. Perfect, Owen Hart, PJ Walker, which was um, just incredible. Papa Shango, Pat Patterson, Paul Bear, Pierre, Carl Ouellette. So there's one. Um, I'm not going to continue to read all the names here because it's not relevant. Let's see. Well, I didn't know Robert Gibson and Ricky Morton were in the WWF at that time, but I think Ricky Morton is still wrestling, so maybe he falls into that category. Yeah, who's he wrestling for? Uh, NWA. Oh, um, let's see. Is anybody else? No. Okay, so when you were going through that list, uh huh, you know something that stuck out to me. What's a lot that? of them are no longer with us. Oh, a lot of the guys are gone. Yeah, a lot of the guys are gone. Wow, it was sad. Listen to that list. Yeah. I mean, just going over this list right here, Adam Bomb is still alive. Offa, I believe, is still alive. Alundra Blaze is alive, but Bigelow's gone. Bossman's gone. Heenan's gone. Um, Bushwhacker's gone. Crush is gone. Earthquake mm-hmm. is gone. Gene Okerlund is gone. Giant Gonzalez, Gorilla Monsoon are gone. Howard Finch. Giant Gonzalez? I believe he is, yeah. I did not know that. Um, Kamala's gone. Mabel's gone. Lord Alfred's gone. Let's see. Mr. Fuji's gone. Perfect's gone. Owen Hart's gone. Uh, Pat Patterson's gone. Paul Bear's gone. Randy Savage is gone. Razor Ramon's gone. Uh, Rowdy Piper's gone. Sherry Martell is gone. Yeah. Who else? Who else has passed away? Pat Patterson. You say Pat Patterson? Yeah, Pat Patterson. Yep, and um, Yokozuna. So interesting. So Billy Gunn is definitely in a list of, like you said before, maybe five people um, from that group back in 1993 that are still actively currently wrestling for a major company. Keep in mind, I'm not saying that they don't work independence every once in a blue fucking moon. That's obviously something that's possible. I'm talking about for a major company. And that just doesn't happen very often. No. Um, The other thing I want to talk about is, well, I'm going to talk about ratings, but I'm going to talk about ratings after this because I want to talk about the big blood and guts match. Now, I didn't get to see it live. You watched it live. You and I were texting each other. I then watched it after the fact. But the, the Blood and Guts match was very interesting. So those of you who have not seen the Blood and Guts match, it was basically the Blackpool Combat Club versus the Elite. And it basically is war games. So two guys start, then every two minutes or three minutes or whatever the hell it is, they end up having bringing more people into the thing. And then obviously that's when the, the match officially starts. And it's no whole barred. 
anything goes. So it was funny because Fightful went ahead and had this transcript of the interaction of the elite on their show being the elite. And this is how it goes. Um, speak on the last edition of being the elite, the elite licked their wounds after victory. Omega picked thumbtacks out of Ibushi's back and joked about how he was getting too old to be doing this. The camera showed the mangled back of Matt Jackson and noted that he has also been recently in too many hardcore matches. Omega responds by joking. You know what? Is this now garbage wrestling we're doing? Omega says, I'm getting too old for this shit. Maybe never again. I don't know. Give me at least a couple of months. Matt Jackson says, there's been a lot of hardcore matches lately in AEW. Uh, Kenny comes back with saying, yeah, what's wrong with us? Are we into garbage wrestling now? I thought we were strictly comedic wrestlers and not garbage. Matt Jackson comes back and says, I think I need to go back to the tag team division where I can have regular wrestling matches. Kenny comes back and says, I think I should do a super long, difficult match like the ones I've done before. Matt later states that he does not like blood and guts, and he called it the day that it actually came about. He then uh, chimed in with his brother, uh, who also was picking thumbtacks out of his body, Matt Jackson. I'm sore. I'm grumpy. I'm jet-lagged. I have thumbtacks up my ass, and I'm ready to get a bite to eat. How about you? Nick Jackson says, I have a thumbtack in my wiener. Matt Jackson says, in your actual wiener, or is it the hole called the urethra? Oh, it's in there too. It just hurts so bad. So if you want to hear the dialogue, it's contrived, obviously, but it's funny. But they have actually said they're not big fans of this. And also, even though it popped a good number, um, a lot of people backstage, as far as wrestlers in AEW, do not believe that this match should be brought back for quite a while. Before I tell you what the numbers were for ratings, let me ask you something, but blood and guts, is it really worth it? I liked it. I enjoyed that match. Uh, I don't want to see it every week. Uh, once a year, perfect. I can deal with that. I enjoy it. Uh, let's see here. I'm trying to find out what Dynamite's number was because it was a it was a big number. I want to say it was in the sevens. Okay, so let's see here. So the week in wrestling so far, Raw drew 1.8 million with a 0.57. Um, it did really well. Collision did 618,000 with a 0.18. Um, so it actually did very, very well. Collision has been doing well. Um, and then I'm trying to see what Dynamite's ratings were. Let me pull this up here. I want to say it was in the sevens, but maybe I'm wrong. Let's see. Oh, nope. I do stand corrected. AEW Dynamite Blood and Guts draws 953,000. That's huge. That is a big number for them. For them, it's a big deal. Anytime they cross 900,000, that's a big deal. It was a 900,000, and it was a .34 in the 18 to 49 demo, um, which is up from the .29 they did the prior week. So anytime AEW can crest over into the 900,000s, that's actually really, really good. So if you want to look at what AEW has done recently, and I mean so far like this summer, um, I think they've been fairly consistent. So they've done anywhere from 700,000 all the way up to 953,000, which is actually pretty good. I mean, it's not like back in 2022, they did a million 
multiple times. Um, so they had an anniversary show they did over a million, the Grand Slam from Arthur Ashe. They did over a million, um, the All Out Go Home show. They did over a million, um, Quake by the Lake. They did almost a million in that one. So AEW's biggest thing is they can never get over a million in that they're, they're really basically just, they've got their audience, but they're not growing their audience. And we talked about that in a prior episode, and that's kind of their thing right now, that that's, they're not growing. They're not doing more. But you know what? If everything that um, Warner Brothers Discovery says, they care about where they fall in the time in, in the, the slot for the night on cable. If they're in the top five, whatever that number is, as long as they're in that top five, they're happy with it. So they're looking more at the placement of the show overall for that night and not necessarily the number. I don't understand that ideology, but they that's their thought process. Three true. Yeah. Um, anything else wrestling related that is on your mind that you've been thinking about? No, not really. There's a couple of things, but we'll, uh, one I'd like to leave for next week. I want to do a little more looking into it. It's something that got me, uh, we almost had a grinds my gears while I was watching TV the other day, watching a little wrestling, and the old blood pressure started getting a little bit high, but we'll leave it for next week. So I, oh. while I look into it a little more, uh, we'll leave it as a certain wrestler is an absolute scumbag. Wow. But, well, yeah. We're going to a little teaser here, aren't you? Well, I, I want to talk about it this week, but. I want to look into it a little bit more before I fly off the handle. And I look like I'm a scumbag because I'm wrong. No, that's fair. That's fair enough. Um, I do want to tell you this, and I want to let the rest of the world know. Tomorrow is going to be a big day in the world. Uh, tomorrow is going to be the congressional hearing on UFOs. And it is going to be led by the oversight committee. And they are going to have... Uh, David Fravor, who was a retired uh, military pilot. They're also going to be having a whistleblower who worked inside the main organization that actually he has claimed that they have crafts and that he's willing to testify. So I think it's going to be a big, big thing. Uh, the Pentagon has actually closed access to any other documents regarding UFO or retrieval of anything UFO related. Uh, just because I think they feel like the footsteps are getting closer. It's not fooey, my friend. It's going to be real. And when it is officially real, when it's real, because damn it, it's real to me. Your tinfoil hat's a little bit tight there, Michael. Just wait. Just wait. Just wait. What is this, tomorrow they're supposed to go on? It's going to be tomorrow. It's going to be the, the, yep. It is going to be CBS, let me go ahead and pull this up here. House Oversight Committee to hold UFO hearing on Wednesday. The House Oversight Committee will hold its unusual hearing on Wednesday and what to be calling the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, also known as UFOs. Several witnesses, including former Navy commanding officer, are expected to testify to what they see in the skies. The number of so-called close encounters has risen dramatically in the recent years, with 366 reports of unidentified phenomenon happening just since March of 21. 
Uh, retired Navy Commander David Fravor previously described an incident, and he was on 60 Minutes. Um, there, there, there's so much that's going to be going on, but you have to watch. You have to watch. I'm telling you, don't think this is this is crazy talk. Okay. I'm excited. I'm excited. All right. I'll, I'll be at work. Send me a text when it comes I will, up. I'm I will not busy. You. I'll try to stream it in my office. I definitely will. I'll tell you that. I also want to say thank you to everyone who listened to this podcast. It's uh, it's so humbling to know, and, and I text Butt, you know, what the numbers are with downloads and what things are looking like and how many people are listening. It's fun to know that there are people out there that enjoy what we talk about. And even if you only listen to a half of it, I appreciate it. I know the butt appreciates it. So thank you so much for the unconditional support of the podcast. And keep listening. And if you know anybody who likes wrestling podcasts or just two friends just talking goofy once a week, definitely go ahead and share the link with them as well. We would greatly appreciate it. All right. With that being said, for the Butster, I am Mike Freeland. It has been so much fun. We will catch you on the next episode of the Front Row Material Brand.